It gives me great joy to welcome you all in the name of the Lord, our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, who is here today in order to touch our lives and transform us so that we can live in victory every single day. I want to welcome those of you who are here, and I want to welcome those of you who have joined us on television, and I want to ask everybody in this room to just give a very special welcome to our friends who have joined us on television. Well, we are so glad that you have joined us today, and we are glad that you take the time to listen to the Word of God. And, you know, taking time to listen to the Word of God is the best investment you can ever make. Because the Word of God tells us that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And today we are going to share the Word of God from His Word, the Scriptures, the Bible, and that is what is going to make us strong from our inside body. And we all need that strength because there are so many things which come our way which we cannot deal with in physical strength, but which we can only deal with when we are strong on the inside. Well, if you have got any question, you can make use of the numbers on your screen. If you want to send us a message, just uh, send us a message on SMS to the number which you are going to see on your screen, feel free. We are here to minister to you and to meet you at a point of your need. And of course, we can do that not because we are so great, but because we are walking in the strings of God Almighty. And we know that the Holy Spirit, as much as he is here in this room, is also in your living room, in your bedroom, in your uh, sitting room, wherever you are at this moment in time, he is right there. So stand by and listen to the word of God. Let me turn to the book of Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read two verses from the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. These are very, very powerful words from the scriptures. And the Bible says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. That's a powerful word. And I want to take you a little bit further into the book of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, that's further in the back of the New Testament. And the Bible reads here, In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. And uh, another short scripture from the book of Proverbs, chapter 17, verse 9, and the Bible reads here, Proverbs 17, verse 9, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. We are going to commit this time into the hands of the Lord, and we pray that God will really touch our lives and meet us at the point of our need. Lord our God, I want to thank you that we can be here together as a church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that there's power when people meet together in your name. And Lord, we also remember all those who are joining us on television today, Lord, that you will also touch their lives and meet them at the point of their need. Lord Jesus, we pray, Holy Spirit, transform our lives and help us to put our paths straight in Jesus' name, our Lord, I pray. Amen. Amen. We're still tackling the subject uh, which I have entitled Family Under Attack, and we have been looking at this subject from different angles. And today we want to live, uh, look at it from another angle again, and I've entitled my message today, Living Together in Harmony. Living Together in Harmony. Now, uh, the Bible is challenging us 
that we should live together in perfect harmony, in complete harmony. And, uh, you know, harmony is something beautiful. Uh, I'm sure all of you who love music, you will love when a, a, a song is coming in beautiful harmony. Now, harmony is not happening by accident. All those of you, like me, you know, who love instruments but who may not be fully able to play uh, some of them, you know, uh, you may have picked up an instrument uh, like I've done it. And you know, when nobody is there, I try to, to make some noise on the instrument. But unfortunately, what comes out sometimes is not harmony but distortion. Have you ever noticed that? You know, maybe you want to try and, uh, uh, you know, learn an instrument and you see somebody in church or somewhere else, you know, playing the guitar, uh, playing the, 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 the keyboard or the piano, and you think, ah, that's so easy, I can manage that as well. And so when nobody is there, you are going to make your way to the piano, to the keyboard, or pick up the guitar, and then boom, boom. And then what comes out? sounds so different from those guys who are playing when everything is so beautiful, you know? Instead of harmony, distortion comes out. You know? And suddenly you realize harmony is not something which falls into place by itself. It needs to be worked for. It is something you need to invest time into. You know, for somebody to come on stage and uh, give a good performance which is really harmonious, it will mean they will have to take time before you are there, before everybody else is watching, in order to you know, shape the sound and uh, bring a good performance. I have been once, once or the other time I've been watching orchestras, you know how they are um, preparing themselves for uh, a big event. And orchestras are made up of different instruments, you know, of a, of a variety of different instruments. Not anybody can just blow his horn or his, uh, his uh, flute or whatever it is the way he or she wants. They need to all blend together. And for that to happen, there needs to be an, a good, good time of practice in order to bring harmony out of that orchestra. And you know, this is true in our life in the family. Family life can be very distorted. And I'm sure every single one of us could talk about distortions in certain families which we have seen or experienced. I hope it's not yours. But also, Every family has the opportunity, has the potential to eventually prepare and uh, practice to such an extent that eventually harmony will be the result. I'll come back to that theme a little bit later on, but right now, let me tell you another thing. You see, God wants us to live in love. And as we have been hearing from the Word of God uh, a few moments ago, the Bible says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Do you know that there are a lot of pretenders in this world? I hope it has not happened to me, but it has happened to me, that people will come and say, oh, pastor, I love you, you know. You're good. But all they want is to see whether I've got something in my pocket which they can maybe, you know, in one way or the other, uh, get hold of. You understand? You see, when we look at what happened in the Garden of Eden, we have a perfect picture of somebody who is a pretender. Okay? The devil comes there, Satan, of course he doesn't come with horns and a, in a, in a, in a, in a big tail, but he comes in a very nice way. He says, oh, I'm feeling so sorry for you. Did God really tell you you must not eat from that one, one fruit there which is so beautiful and so nice? You know? And that exactly is the fruit you need to have because without that, you will never be what you can be. You know, that is 
the voice of uh, the evil one, okay? Pretending to love you. I remember when I was still a young boy, there was a, a, a certain, um, I wouldn't call him gentleman because he wasn't, uh, but a certain uh, man in our community, and he always went round to give out sweets. And everybody said, oh, this is a nice uncle, he's a nice uncle. But of course, what he wanted was that children would trust him, and every once in a while he would take a child away and, and uh, you know, molest the child and do bad things to that child. And so eventually when it uh, came out, everybody was warning us from home, please don't, don't take the sweets, you know. This, this guy doesn't love you, he has, he has no interest in you, he just wants to misuse you. And that's what is happening in our world. I want you to understand that love should be proven, okay, as true love, not as uh, pretension or as uh, a, nice, a nice word which sounds good in the ear, but something which is truly love. Do you know that there are a lot of people who get married and they have never seen true love? All they have fallen for is somebody pretending love. Hello? If you don't believe me, I can show you proof of that. Have you ever heard some people saying, you know, uh, I don't love this guy anymore, or I don't love this lady anymore. After three weeks, or one month, or three years, doesn't matter. I don't love anymore. The fact is, they've never laughed in the first place. Because if you love truly, you're not walking away after three weeks, after two months, after five years. You're not even walking away after 20 years. Because you know that love is faithful. Love is long-suffering. Love has got a long breath. Amen? And I want to tell you, love is beautiful, it's wonderful. And we need to understand that love is giving. It's not something just trying to pick out from your from your uh, possessions and run away with it. Or even misuse your body and then dump you on the rubbish dump of this world. But love has got great and wonderful care for the opposite partner. Okay? And I want you to, I want you to understand that when somebody is telling you, I love you, he must be patient. Okay? You know, men usually, they are in a hurry. And they say, can we not do ABC and what have you, you know? But, you know, love can wait. And young ladies, if somebody is too much in a hurry, make sure that you know that he's not just pretending love. But he's not just trying to get something from you rather than give you something. Because love, first and foremost, is giving. Amen? As we sing in this song, love is never love until it's given away. Isn't it? And of course we see it in the word of God. The true love of God is the agape love which is given to the world. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. And not only gave did he give some, some peanuts, but he gave the best he had. That was his own son, Jesus Christ. Amen? And so, I'm telling you, there are a lot of people walking down the aisle or just getting married anyhow, you know, maybe not even going to ask for the blessings of the Lord at all, but who are getting married somehow or getting together because it's now fashion to just forget about uh, getting married and just walk together and stay together and as long as you like. And then, you know, because somebody pretended something. But I want you to make sure that when you go into relationship with somebody, know that there is true love. Amen? And love is giving. Love is generous. Love is prepared to sacrifice. Love is prepared to go not only an extra mile, but an extra round. Amen? And I want you to understand that is the love which God 
wants to see in our families. And uh, if you live in a family where that love is not found, I want to encourage you that you come to the Lord, our God, who has loved us with an everlasting love. And you can receive his love into your life. A love which is covering a multitude of sins. A love which is going to forgive whatever has gone wrong. That's the love which is offered to every single one of us. Love, true love, is selfless. Not selfish, but selfless. And it is giving. And it's also forgiving. Just like we have been reading in the book of Proverbs, chapter 17, verse 9, the Bible says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. You know, if people get into a relationship and they are not prepared to give and also forgive, that relationship is not going to last. Because I want to tell you a secret. It may not be a secret after all, that there is no human being who is perfect. We all have our shortcomings. We all have our faults. We all sometimes behave very selfish. And because of that, we need to be ready to forgive one another. Because if we don't do that, then that relationship will not last. If we are dwelling on our friend's mistake, then be sure that your relationship is in trouble. Okay? Proverbs tells us very clearly, dwelling on a fault is going to separate close friends. It's going to separate parents and children. It's going to separate husband and wives. That's for sure. You know, my dear friend, if you are always focusing on the shortcomings, on the mistakes of, of, your, of your spouse, then think again. I think the bigger mistake is not on your spouse, the bigger mistake is on you. I'm sorry, I'm not pointing at anybody here. <laughs> That's why I'm trying to point uh, somewhere where you are not. Okay. I have heard people come and say, my, my husband, my husband, my husband this, my husband that, my husband that, or my wife this, my wife that. The Bible says, dwelling on a fault is separating close friends. You know, we need to come to a place where we are able to forgive. Because love builds a bridge. That's what Jesus has done, you know. Love builds a bridge. Jesus came into this world because we were separated from the living God. We were not able to come to our creator. It was impossible for us to meet him because of sin. But Jesus came into this world. He gave himself the greatest gift mankind could ever receive. And then he built a bridge with his own life. And that bridge enables us not only enabled us in the past, but enables us today because we are living in a time of grace. It enables us to walk across that bridge and come into fellowship with the living God. And you know, that's a great example for every relationship. Because what Jesus has done, we need to do as well in our homes. And uh, husband, don't expect that your wife needs to make the start. You are the head of the home, so you need, you need to make the start. You need to prepare to give. You need to give forgiveness and make a step towards your wife or towards your children, whatever the case may be, in order to bridge the gap. Because that is true love. That's where love is tested. And remember, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says, love covers a multitude of sins. You may be dwelling on that fault, on that sin, as you would call it, for weeks on end. And all you do is make things worse. But if you make a step and you forgive, you are going to see that love will prosper. Amen? You know, every time you forgive, love prospers. 
Try it out. Good advice. Coming from the word of God. You know, whenever you forgive, love prospers. So if your love level is too low, then why don't you begin to give and forgive? Because your love will overflow. Your love will see new and wonderful springtime and harvest time and everything in one day, you know? Because when love prospers, fruits will grow of that tree almost instantly. So love does not seek self, but seeks to love our friend. And you know, that's where today we have a problem because love seems to be hard to find. Jesus at one time asked the question, will the Son of Man find love? Will find faith? Because faith and love go together, you know? Faith, love, hope, they go together. Will the Son of Man find this when he comes back? And that's a very interesting question. Because we see that love grows cold in many people. There are some people who may be watching us today who at one time were not sitting at home when there was a service, but they were right inside the church. Right in the forefront, maybe even leading worship. But they have become cold. And now they are watching from a distance. There could be some who at one time really loved the Lord. You remember days when you were young, you were in the scripture union, or you were in, in some of the fellowships at university, and you, you, you really were on fire for the Lord. But then, of course, you know, your, your busy schedule was hindering you from going to church every Sunday, and you just went once in a while, and eventually you stopped. Eventually, love grew cold. And you know, when love grows cold, it's always hard to make a step. Have you noticed that? You know, when husband, if you don't love your wife so, so much anymore, like you did before, you know, every time she is asking you for some help, you find it a burden. Hello? Maybe it's not with you. Maybe I'm preaching to the wrong crowd. <laughs> oh, lady, you, you're asking your husband, or husband, you're asking your wife, whatever the case may be, and, you know, you're saying, okay, okay, I'll, I'll do it, and it will never happen. If you were still, you know, in that first laugh, you know, just a small, <clears throat> you are already up. <laughs> You're already jumping. Okay, dear, what can I help you? Honey, I, I'm here. Just tell me, what can I do for you? You know, that is love. That is love. And so, no matter how long you are in love with your spouse, you know, why don't you train that again? You know, every time you hear, <clears throat> here I am, what can I do for you? Because love is giving and forgiving. And you know, this is what we see God doing for us. The Bible says he will never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, sometimes we think that's what he does, but he doesn't. He's always there. He's always there because he loves us dearly. He has not started a good work only to abandon it, but he has started a good work and he will bring it to completion as well. And we need to walk in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, real love is modeled after the love of Christ, which is called the agape, the love which is always giving, 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 giving. And that's what we need to practice in our family life. You know, that's why God put us into a family here on earth. Because up there, there will be a huge family, the family of God. Remember, I've been telling you time and time again that God's secret plan is to adopt us all into his family. 
But you can't enter into a family without having first tested a family down here and learned to laugh, not be selfish, but to laugh. It's unfortunate that today, in the name of laugh, people will do anything. Prostitution is rife. Diseases are being spread in a terrible way just because we call it laugh. That's not laugh. That is uh, anything else but laugh. Love takes care of not only myself, but of the other one. You understand? If you love somebody dearly, if you love your spouse, you will make sure that your spouse is protected. And we need to have responsible, loving people today who are not seeking self, who are not selfish but who are selfless because love really is giving away. If you want to know more about true love, read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, let me come to my second point today. And I think my second point really is very important. In Romans chapter 12, verse 9, we are reading, hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Hold tightly to what is good. I entitled my second point, develop good values. Okay? Throw away what is useless and make sure that you are fostering good values in your family. Now, what are good values in a family life? First of all, you know, when two people get married... And even before they get married, they need to build a good, strong relationship, which is, you know, really a love relationship. You know, which you can say, these people are not trying to get something from each other, squeezing each other, but who are going to put something into that relationship, and each one of them will get a blessing from that. So I want to... Make it clear, you know, every relationship, whether you are uh, looking forward to get married one day or whether you are already married uh, or whatever your relationship may be, you must, what I call, maintain a secret chamber. Okay? A secret chamber. Or some people call it the bedroom. Okay? But those of you who are not married, don't go to the bedroom as yet. That's why I would call it a secret chamber, okay? What does that mean? You see, in every, in every relationship, there are tests. There are misunderstandings. There are difficulties. Not because you want it to happen, but there are outside influences, and then there are inside influences, which are just without you really planning for them. You know, sometimes you hear yourself say something which hurts your friend. And you didn't mean it that way, but it has already done the damage. Have you noticed that? And so if you are now just uh, trying to justify yourself, you won't get anywhere. You need to deal with that. And so every couple must have a secret chamber where the two of them will sit together, put their heads together, and begin to talk over issues. Amen? A family can never be strong if the two people do not take time to talk about it. Issues which are arising, problems which are arising, good things which are happening, it's so important. And it's very interesting that most of young couples who are, you know, planning to get married, they talk a lot about issues, especially about marriage, you know. Or let me say, maybe I should say they talk about the wedding, okay, what to wear, how to, you know, uh, be looked at competitively, you know, with, with all the, the things which are happening in town these days, you know, you need to, to, to be able to keep your eyes open, not that you, they think you are coming from the bush. So there's a lot of competition these days, isn't it? And uh, unfortunately, I would say there's a lot of 
time being invested, and I'm not saying it's wrong, don't misunderstand me. There's a lot of time invested in how you look like, you know, what the celebration is going to be like, where the, 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 the reception is going to be, how much money you spend on food, how much uh, drinks you have from this and from the other and what else, you know, which relatives and which uh, friends to invite and who are not to, invite, to be invited, all these things take up your whole time, you know. And then when the, 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 the wedding day is over, you have got a big bill at your hands, and uh, you look at each other and you don't know what to think, you know? Because you never talked about the things of the hearts. You talked about the business, you understand? And as much as the business is important, I'm not saying you should forget about it, but you need to make sure that you talk about your life. You need to talk about your future. You need to talk about the foundation of your marriage, which is, is, is meant to be love. Amen? And if you are not building that foundation, let me tell you, it will not stand strong. And you know, if you are not learning to talk to each other, even before you are already getting married, talking to each other, having real conversations, talking about what is going on in one's heart, then how will you learn it afterwards? And that's why you see, you know, after people get married, they become very busy. You know, one runs into their one direction because they need to raise money to pay the debts. <laughs> one doing this, one doing the other, but then they come home and they talk about only money. And I tell you, money is not a good motor for marriage. Actually, it's a miserable motor, you know. That's why so many people who are extremely rich are not going to stay in marriage for long because they think money is going to hold them together. It doesn't. You need to be able to talk to each other. You need to be able to forge a relationship, you know, where you can trust and love one another, where you know my, my spouse, my husband, my wife is not going to stab me in the back, but she or he is always going to stand with me, with me no matter what happens. That's what we need to know. And so we need to maintain that secret chamber. Okay? That secret chamber. Or uh, for those of you who are married, the bedroom, you may call it, where you talk over issues and where you find solutions and where you can forgive each other, where you can cry and where you can uh, encourage each other once again. The Bible says here, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. You know, we men, we always think uh, we can expect uh, exactly the same uh, level of, of, of whatever we do from, from our wives. But the Bible says we should treat our wives with understanding as we live together. She may be it doesn't say she, will, she is, but she may be weaker than you are. But she is equal, an equal partner in God's gift of new life. And then the Bible says, treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. That's another subject which I'm going to talk about another time. But I want to tell you here, you know, men, if you are not treating your wives in a right way, if you don't love them, Dearly, and not only with words, pretending love, but truly love them, then your prayers will not go very far. Your prayers will just go around and bounce back to your own ears, and nothing will happen because you are hindering God to do something. Amen? That's what the Bible says. So we need to be very careful. Now, never rebuke your spouse in public. When I say public, I'm, it may even be in your own house, but where maybe children are present or relatives are present. If you have to do some rebuking, go into the secret chamber. Okay? You know, if you're annoyed, keep your anger in your, in your belly, you know? And just, darling... Let's come, let's come. 
You know, down there, there will, might be a volcano going on. But you are saying, darling, come, let's go and sit down. And then you sit down and let the volcano spew all the, <laughs> all, all the debris, you know. So, but settle it amongst yourself. You understand? Settle it amongst yourself. You know, anything which comes out from your mouth and goes into the wrong ears can do a lot of damage. Maybe you have long forgiven each other, but some people are saying, oh, these two people, they are like that. You understand? And it will go further and further. And there are some people who are not your friends necessarily who will try to use it for bad, not for good. Okay? So make sure that you never try to correct or to rebuke your spouse, if that should ever be necessary anyway, in front of other people. Okay? It is always an, an not an easy thing to be corrected or to be rebuked, isn't it? Even if it's just you alone. But if it's happening in, in front of other people, it will aggravate the problem. And sometimes it will become so big that you will not be able to manage to fix the trouble which you have caused. All right? By the way, maybe the volcano which is in your belly may not be her fault or his fault. It may be your fault. You understand? You want to rebuke somebody, but because you have already made up your mind, he or she is guilty. But maybe it's not the case. So better hold your fire, sit down, discuss. And, you know, people who love each other, they always have a basis from where they could to discuss. Amen? They always have a platform from where they can discuss and where they can find solutions because love, true love, comes from the heart of God. And God gives us always grace to solve problems. And if you cannot do that, it's high time you come to the Lord Jesus because he will give you that love. He will pour out that love into your heart so that you can be able to give love to your spouse. Okay? So I want to make it clear, never correct your spouse or rebuke your spouse in public. And when I say public, I don't necessarily mean at Independence Stadium, you know. <laughs> But I mean where anybody else is listening, okay? Even your, your friend, or you say, oh, you know, it's just a relative. No, it's a relative sometimes they can be the most devastating people you, you, you have around. You understand? So be careful. Be careful. Or you say, oh, it's just my brother, or just her sister, or his sister. Don't, don't, don't do that, you know? You never know what you are going to cause, you know, where you are putting a, a, a small match. Do you know that words can destroy a lot? The book of James tells us, you know, it's a match which is going to put a whole forest on fire. One match, isn't it? So the tongue can do a lot of damage. What I'm saying about spouses, we should be... Uh, observing to some extent also for children. Now, with children, of course, they need to be corrected, and sometimes it must be done in a loving family. That's not a problem. But, you know, when something severe has happened, especially when they are growing up, don't bring everything in front of everybody else, but sit down with that child who has gone wrong. Try to reason with that child and correct that child in love, and you will win that child. Amen? Praise God. Another thing which is very important, remember the Bible says we should develop good values. One good value which every family should develop is what some people call a family altar. Okay? What the family altar is in your home, it may up, be up to your own definition. I remember when, when our children grew up, we took a time to read the, the Word of God every day, and we were able to talk when we were sitting around the table. We were waiting for our, for our food, but before we ate the natural food, we were eating the spiritual food. And we made it clear, abundantly clear, that whatever would trouble 
our children, they could easily come to us and share with us. You know, if you get annoyed, immediately your, your child is going to tell you a problem. Next time, your child won't come. So there must be a, like a neutral ground, which I call the family altar. You understand? Where your children can come and pour out your hearts. Whether they are wrong or whether they have been hurt uh, inside the house or outside the home, it doesn't matter but where they are able to share with you. Because if they cannot share with you, the parents, then who will they go to to get solutions? Children are given to us, that we take care of them, that we direct them, that we help them to, you know, help them with building their lives and overcoming the difficulties which they are facing around them every day. So that's our responsibility as parents. Another word which I want to say, you know, which I think is extremely important, and it may not be you, but uh, there is a great danger. You know, these days, a lot of children are being spoiled. Okay? What do I mean, what are, what do I mean with that? You know, a child says, Ah, Dad, I want this. You say, Okay, here. Here it is. Dad, I want this. Okay, here, you have it. Mom, I want this. Okay, here it is. Now, just because you can afford does not mean you must give your child everything they want. Okay? Because I want to tell you, you will spoil your children. Unfortunately, I'm sure you have seen it, I have seen it. Some children, they're making a big dance until they get what they want. And they know if they just make a lot of noise, eventually mom will buckle. You know, dad will break. And I will get what I want. Now, if this is the message you give to your children, you have spoiled them. I'm telling you. Because they will remain useless for the rest of their life. Because everywhere they go, they will make a dance. You know? They will become miserable people until they get what they want. And you know, it's not nice to be around such people. That's why we need to use discipline. You know, that's why we need to put boundaries. That's why we need to tell them, hey, up to here, that's the end. Go one step further and you will, you will see what it means. You know, and that's important. If you don't do it, they will take you for a right. And you know, I have seen children who are slave drivers. Hmm? You know what a slave driver is? Their slaves are their parents. And they do anything the children demand. If you do that, you are going to be in big, big trouble. Because that will not end. Even when they are grown up, they will continue driving you around. They will still demand. And, you know, they will really not be able to make a good contribution in society. Do you, do you sometimes wonder why children of some of the most um, wealthy families be, be, uh, behave in, in, in very terrible ways? Do you know that this is a, a fact in our, in our world today? It's exactly because of that. You know, they think they can get away with anything. They do what they like, you know, and they, they, they cause trouble as long as they can get what they want. So please, don't fall into that trap. You are the leaders of the home, you know. Your children must learn to obey. I've been talking about that, and uh, you need to have the discipline. So develop good values. And when I talk about a family altar, I'm not saying... You must accept everything which comes along. You have to have values. And no is no. Okay? Any parent who says no and uh, later on says, okay, maybe, and later on says, oh yeah, okay, no problem, has lost authority. You understand? So we must make sure that we do not spoil our children with too much giving. You know, it's very dangerous today because the shops are full. You know, 
toys are all over, and you take a child to, to uh, a shop with, filled with toys, you're in trouble. You know, you're asking for trouble. You know, leave your children at home, you know. Give them what you want to give them. Give them what you have decided to give them. Don't take them into a shop where they see all the things. They don't want to come out. They are going to stand there. I want this, I want this, I want this. And you look around and says, oh my, you know, I'm in trouble here, you know. But that's why, you know, discipline is so important. And I'm not saying you must not take them. You must, actually, you must take them as well. But have them trained before you take them. So that when you tell them, hey, stop this, they will stop. Okay? Let them not dance on your head. Our heads are not made for anybody to dance on top there. All right? So, developing good values. And I could continue talking about that. Uh, for quite a long time, but I want to leave it with these few points for now. Remember, your word must carry weight. Your word must be something to be relied upon. You must be trustworthy. If you promise your spouse, if you promise your children, they must know that you keep your word. Amen? That is one of the greatest values if they know your word does not mean anything, they will always twist you. And that is very dangerous. Okay, let me take you to the next point, very important point. Take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in honoring each other. Romans 12, verse 10. Now, if you don't know what it means to honor somebody, I have a good scripture, you know, it's always good to explain scripture from scripture. Uh, in the book of Esther, we have a very powerful uh, description of what it means to honor somebody. Okay? Esther 6 verse 6 says, So Haman came in and the king said, What should I do to honor a man who truly pleases me? Haman thought to himself, Whom would the king wish to honor more than me? Hmm? Of course, he was a very selfish man. So he replied, if the king wishes to honor someone, he should bring out one of the king's own royal robes, as well as a horse that the king himself has written, one with a royal emblem on its head. Let the robes and the horse be handed over to, the one, to one of the king's most noble officials, and let him see that the man whom the king wishes to honor is dressed in the king's robes. And led through the city squares on the king's horse. Have the official shout as they go, this is what the king does for someone he wishes to honor. And the king answered, excellent. Now, I'm not talking about Haman and uh, I'm not talking about his uh, wickedness. I want to use this illustration about honoring somebody. Okay, because there's lessons there. You know, how do you honor somebody? There are a lot of men who have never honored their wives. A lot of women who have never honored their husbands. How do you honor somebody? You honor them by, first of all, learning to say good things about them. Uh, you know, when I... When I uh, um, went for my first uh, job where I was working after school for some time. Uh, one of the most uh, terrible things I heard there was how the men I was uh, working with were talking about their wives, but not honoring them, you know. Oh, my, my old uh, chicken at home, you know, or something like that. <laughs> You know, the kind, of, the, kind of, the kind of language they had was really bad. I never heard that because I didn't grow up in such a family. And I was really shocked, I must say. And chicken was one of the good animals, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, you know. There were other uh, animals which I don't want to repeat here. <laughs> but you see, 
When you want to honor somebody, you say something good about that person. And I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, pampering them, saying th things which are not true. Because we believe that we should be people of, of truth, isn't it? But, you know, there are good things in every single one person which God is doing in us. And we should, we should uh, recognize these things and say good things about them. We should learn to appreciate our spouse. We should learn to appreciate our children and tell them that we appreciate them. Okay? I, I've heard, uh, especially men saying, no, I, you know, I do appreciate them, but I, I, why should I tell them? No, you need to tell them, because otherwise they, do, they don't know. Okay? It's very important that your children will get a pat on their back and say, well done. It's very important for you as a husband to, to uh, tell your wife, you know, I, I appreciate you. What you're doing for me, I, I, really, I really find it wonderful. Learn to say good things. Mean what you say, you know. But you know, honoring means that you lift up the image of somebody in front of other people. You understand? And Haman wanted to be lifted up. You know, he said, Okay, if the king wants to honor somebody, of course, it's all, it can only be me. So, what can the king do better? I'm going to ride on his horse. I'm going to wear his robes. I'm going to hear the, the, the servants shout, This is the man the king wants to honor. Husbands, have you done that for your wives? By the way, you know, Haman said, Bring out of the king's own royal robes, as well as a horse that the king himself has written. You husbands, have you ever let your wife sit on the steering wheel of your car? Or you're saying she's going to smash it, you know? Whatever that may mean in your situation, I don't know, but I want to just tell you, you know, when you honor somebody, you lift somebody up. And that's what we should do. That's what we must do. Enjoy when your spouse is honored by somebody else. You know, I've, I've, I've met a, a certain, uh, uh, a certain uh, again, I wouldn't say gentleman, but uh, he was a man. Um, <laughs> every time his wife got honored, and she got honored quite a lot, he became really angry, you know? He became very envious. Why? Because the honor went to her, not to him. You know, I want to tell you, every time your spouse is honored, you're honored as well. Because you're one. Isn't it? Every time your children are honored, you're honored as well, because you are, you are bringing them up. So don't envy. Don't feel, you know, annoyed or out of place just because you see they get honor and you don't get it. It also comes to you as well. The Bible says, delight in honoring each other. The word delight I like. Okay, that's the translation from the New Living Translation. Delight. You know, somebody who is delighted is somebody who is full of joy. Isn't it? And it's always a joyful thing when honor comes. Even if it doesn't come to you, but it comes to your children, comes to your spouse, uh, you know. And if you bring honor to your spouse or to your children, it brings joy in your own hearts. It brings joy to them, it brings joy to you. Another thing I believe the word delight is talking about, you know, delight means to, it's light, isn't it? It's lifted. So burdens are lifted. You're no longer depressed when you're honoring somebody, but you're feeling light and lifted up. So, husbands, today you go home and delight to honor your wife. Wives, go home and honor your husbands. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 that we should take delight in honoring each other. Praise God. Honoring each other. 
Next point, my time is running away, so I have to rush. Live in harmony and peace. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 says, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful, grow in maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace. Then the, the, the God of love and peace will be with you. Ah, that's powerful, isn't it? I just want to encourage you that you live in harmony and peace. Now, I want you to understand one thing. As I said when I started, harmony does not happen by accident. Harmony needs to be practiced. I brought a small instrument here, you know? I don't know what this means. You know, sometimes you have distortions, you know, something like this. Sometimes you have these kind of sounds in your home, huh? But you should bring harmony. I'm, I'm not sure whether it will work, but let me try. You know, that's harmony. Okay? So make sure in your home there is harmony, not so. <laughs> Unfortunately, in many homes, I tell you there's trouble. When you come near, you just don't want to enter. You just want to go the other direction. Why? Because you don't hear harmony. You hear something else. But harmony is something which can be practiced and can be really accomplished. I said earlier on, we need to have our secret chambers. And you know, harmony is something we need to do everything. We need to tune our instruments every day. We need to make a daily effort to be on the same level, to talk to each other. We need to keep that harmony in the home as a couple and when children are there with the children. When distortions come from outside, you are able to take these sounds and turn them into harmony. Amen? I tell you, that's a place where every child wants to live. That's a, a place where every adult wants to live. You know, quarrel is not something which we human beings like. God is a God who wants to bless us with his peace, with his goodness, with his love. And you know, the best individual effort which we have, we should put forward into the effort of everybody else in the home, in the family, so that harmony will be there. Let it be ingrained that harmony is really found in the home. And I tell you, in a home where harmony is found, it will always attract outsiders to come in. Isn't it? You know, where people are always hitting each other on the head, I don't think people like to stay. You know, if you have got some dependents who are staying with you and you're always uh, at each other, I think they will look for another place where to stay. But when you are having harmony in your home, everybody will want to say, this is the place where I want to be. This is a place where your children love to be and want to come back to be refilled with the goodness and the love from above. You know, good flowers attract bees, isn't it? And some men call their, their, their ladies honey. Okay? So when, when there is honey, good bees will come, okay? There will be attraction. And so let there be honey in your home so that people will be attracted. You know, how will you lead somebody to the Lord when they are running away from your home? It will not work very well, isn't it? I, I can't go much deeper into that because my time is almost up, but let me just uh, take you quickly to the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, it says, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of 
one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Always be thankful. Now, I've given you a few points this morning. And I tell you, if you are just working on some of these few points, and I, I, I will expand on them as we are going along the next few weeks, but if you just work on some of these few points, you have a lot to be thankful for. You know, you look at your spouse with a smile on, on his or her face and you say, oh, praise the Lord. This is wonderful. You know, I've never been in, in, such, a, in such a wonderful love relationship. Even so, I'm married for I don't know X number of years, but I have never loved you the way I love you today. You know, always be thankful. If you honor your spouse, you will, you know, deepen your love relationship as well. 